Welcome to the Fulfilled Podcast. The podcast designed to spark fundraising inspiration for your nonprofit through thought-provoking interviews with world-leading fundraising experts. Fulfilled brings a unique interview style approach where we ask the most important questions of our expert guests to help nonprofits excel in their fundraising efforts. Feel inspired and feel fulfilled with knowledge so your nonprofit can continue to make a positive impact and create change for a better world. Hi everyone, Jake here from Fulfilled. Today I'm very excited to be talking with the Head of Global Fundraising Innovation at UNICEF in Geneva, Switzerland, Juan Cruz Moniz Cazon. Prior to starting at UNICEF in Switzerland, Juan has had multiple years experience working with NGOs and fundraising teams in Latin America, including UNICEF Colombia, Greenpeace International and SOS Children's Village in Argentina. Today we're going to be diving into all of Juan's fundraising experience as well as getting a behind the scenes look at what they're up to at UNICEF in Switzerland. Juan, welcome. Thank you, Jake. No, it's great to have you here, and I love the background as well. Um, but to get started, tell us about how you began your career working in the nonprofit sector and how this led you to working in fundraising. Sure. So, um, to be fully honest, it was completely random. I just finished my uh, studies at college. And I got this proposal for a job in Plan International. I had no idea what was Plan International. I had no idea what was the nonprofit sector. I had no idea what was fundraising. And, uh, and I got this offer that was uh, basically to join this organization in Quito, in Ecuador, and uh, where I studied. And, um, and yeah, and it was about to basically uh, lead the communications team. And part of the responsibility was uh, to keep our uh, donors uh, happy about uh, giving to our programs. So that was my, my real uh, introduction into, into this uh, sector. And I was very lucky because actually I discovered the sector, the profession, but also the passion of my life. And since there, I've only been uh, working for, for different organizations in the nonprofit sector. So lucky me. Yeah, oh, that's great to hear. And when you look back over your career prior to working at UNICEF, what stands out as one of your most successful campaigns or projects to be part of? And what went into making this a success? So um, I think I need to go back in history few years. Um, probably the most successful one was my time as a social entrepreneur. So after working for Greenpeace, where I was actually starting the digital fundraising uh, uh, program there, um, I decided uh, to um, move into um, creating and, 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 and managing um, my own NGO. No? And at that time, uh, I'm, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was not, uh, it was, it was already a startup, but based on um, volunteering work. 
and the mission of this organization was how basically how to help other organizations on using new technologies and being more effective uh, um, with uh, utilizing different uh, technologies from a CRM to um, digital tools to a web page, uh, donation form, and everything that was uh, appealing at that moment of time. And, um, and we had one big project that was uh, a website that we launched in 1999. So imagine like at that time, like the web was not what is, what is right now. And, uh, and it was a website to connect uh, people with uh, volunteer opportunities uh, from uh, nonprofits. And, uh, and yes, and we were like, we, we work on this, on this uh, website for, for a couple of years. Everybody was a volunteer, but we always had the dream that one day we could actually run this project uh, professionally. And we managed to find uh, an organization in the US uh, called Idealist.org. And with them, we actually um, merged our project with uh, their uh, website. And, uh, and we, uh, for more than seven years, we ran uh, the Spanish uh, version of Idealist.org. And it was very, very, very uh, successful. Uh, first, because um, I guess the passion was there, which is a key element for any kind of uh, social uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, second, from the very beginning, we focus on not only being a cost center, but also an income center. And we uh, started um, providing some uh, internal support to the organization in the US to uh, generate more revenue. So the, the, the organization in the US was uh, actually uh, um, offering this marketplace for jobs in the nonprofit sector. I'm from uh, Argentina in, at that time. We were calling nonprofits in the US so they post more jobs in the website and pay for it. So from the very beginning, we understood that we could not only be a, re a receiver of uh, funding, that we also needed to contribute. And that was important because then we expand these internal services to other areas and we uh, set up a whole uh, software development team uh, within, uh, within the, our own organization. And from there, we start providing different services to uh, nonprofits, uh, first in Argentina, but then in other countries. And, and I guess this idea of um, being sustainable uh, was, I mean, a key component, you know, a key element on, on making successful this this initiative, you know, and uh, and we grew a lot. Actually, we grew. We, we were like at that time we were like uh, 50 um, full-time employees, you know, in the in the organization uh, with a very uh, with a, yeah, I think a, a very important operation. And now uh, this organization is actually is called Civic House at the moment, and it's an organization with presence in 
in Argentina, in Mexico, in Colombia, and, and, and very soon expanding to, to more countries. No? So, so I, I, guess, I guess I'm particularly proud of that. Um, first, because uh, it was kind of my first um, baby in the nonprofit sector. And, uh, and, and of course, uh, it's, it's a very nice and emotional memory that I keep with myself. But also because I think that we did very good on, on how to approach this, uh, this, this project and how to select the right people and how to move forward with a completely different mindset. You know, like how can we monetize services that we are uh, providing? And of course, there were many organizations that couldn't pay and it was for free. But for those who could pay, why not, you know? And this kind of value exchange idea, you know, it worked out really, really well. And it were all, I mean, it were very different times. Huh? And that uh, I'm, I'm saying this now and it sounds obvious, but uh, in the year 2000, it was a bit different, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds incredible. Well done to you. And thank you for sharing that story. I guess it's no surprises uh, with that story following on that on from that, that today you're the head of global fundraising innovation at UNICEF in Switzerland. Um, how has your involvement with UNICEF changed over the seven plus years that you've been working there? And what does your role specifically entail? I joined UNICEF as uh, the fundraising chief for uh, UNICEF in Colombia. That was my first um, uh, job uh, with UNICEF. And from Colombia, I actually um, managed to move into uh, headquarters that for fundraising are uh, basically uh, located in, in Geneva in Switzerland. And my first role there was um, to support different countries on the, on fundraising, no? mainly on on strategy and some enable, key enablers and uh, different kind of uh, support that we were providing, no, as uh, headquarters uh, through uh, regional offices. But um, but I always had this idea of uh, creating a fundraising innovation uh, unit. And, and the idea is actually older. I, I actually proposed uh, this uh, idea when I was working for SOS Children Villages. And for different reasons, it wasn't the right time for, for, for SOS to, to move forward on, on this uh, project. Uh, but when I joined UNICEF, I, I saw that, uh, that there were like different elements that made me think that, uh, that there were like great uh, chances to, to start this area for UNICEF. And, uh, and yes, and I managed to actually uh, talk to the right people and to propose uh, this, um, the setup of this new program. And, uh, and UNICEF um, basically heard me and, uh, and supported me. So I'm kind of an entrepreneur, which is something very, very strange in the, in not only in UNICEF, in the whole UN system, you know, it's like not very common. Normally we are more like people 
um, applying for existing positions in, you know, and that's the way you basically drive your career in the, in, 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 in the, in the UN or in, in UNICEF. But, uh, but, uh, for this case, uh, uh, I had, um, yes, I, I was, I was, I feel I was, uh, lucky because I, I had a great support from my managers and I, I also had a, a good, um, kind of understanding of uh, which was the situation of the organization as a whole, where were the opportunities and then to actually persuade uh, the right people. So, uh, the decision to start this fundraising innovation program was taken and then that they basically uh, hired me to do that, no, because <laughs> that could be another, that was a risk. I mean, they could then hire someone else, no, but, uh, but yes. So that was, uh, that was three years ago, more or less. And, um, and since uh, then, my focus uh, has been, I think, in, in, in different areas. But the main focus it is to support people in our fundraising teams to drive innovation. That's the, that's the main, main focus, okay? But then together with that focus, what we do is we actually provide, if they um, come up with uh, great ideas, we have, uh, we, we, I, I, we actually have uh, an innovation fund that we use uh, when it comes to uh, um, great ideas for, for fundraising. Um, particularly when, when it is, uh, or, or I would say, the funding is for ideas that eventually could become the new funding sources of UNICEF. No, it's not to, it's not much about improving what we do, you know, it's more about like trying like completely new things, you know, at least new for UNICEF, no? Um, the second area of support, it is actually, um, community building and capacity building. So it is, uh, we, we have like a very nice uh, innovation uh, champions uh, network or community within UNICEF. Um, and we organize different kind of uh, trainings, uh, webinars, uh, activities, uh, campaigns, etc. So we, we really move forward this agenda as, as, as a community, no? And then um, I also, I'm also in charge of what is the innovation ecosystem. So everything connected to working with uh, companies on, on these uh, topics or working with another uh, uh, organizations or the academy or startups. I mean, everything that is like accelerators, I mean, this kind of, it is how to actually improve the, the whole uh, ecosystem. So, uh, so we move forward this this uh, this agenda uh, not only internally but also uh, in the sector. No, which is another we understood that we we do have a responsibility with the whole sector. It's not only, I mean, you know, this idea that you cannot only save yourself. You need to. You really need to make everybody else improve so we really uh, not only improve together but also uh, it is about 
um, it is about uh, um, understanding what your role uh, because of the organization that you represent. No, I think it's more that that idea. So yeah, so that's and then and then I do I do uh, also some work on when it comes to to more the, the, the strategic layer of, of innovation. So which are those uh, key areas that we that we should uh, be innovating? Who are the right partners? Which are the trends uh, connected to these uh, areas? Uh, which are the best uh, process and methodologies to or tools to to implement? And working with the leadership of the organization to make sure that they understand, that they know what we are doing, they know why it's important, etc. So this kind of uh, enabling the, the 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 environment of uh, for innovation. No? I find it very fascinating um, the entrepreneurship mindset that you talk about and being able to innovate and encouraging that within the organization. It's quite refreshing to hear all that. It's not it's something that'll be completely foreign uh, to many NGOs out there. And what are some of the results that you've seen uh, for UNICEF? through innovation right so um, well a couple of things no so three years ago there were like different initiatives in most of the cases local initiatives and now we have um, we have an innovation fund which is quite uh, significant we have um, we have an innovation platform actually, which is a fantastic uh, tool that we use to, we call it the one-stop shop for innovation, and it is. So you go there, and if you have an idea, it will be a no-brainer actually to go there to start um, writing down your idea, and immediately the platform will tell you which similar ideas we have already tested or other people are working on um, which trends are connected to your idea which best practices are connected which uh, other uh, outside experiences exist from other organizations or companies so uh, you can also spot who are the people within the organization with uh, highest level of um, experience in this area where you are uh, uh, planning your 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 idea, so it is incredible. I mean that the platform is 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 uh, uh, fantastic in terms of avoiding duplication, starting from scratch every time, uh, you know, like knowledge management, uh, etc. But it's also a great way to. Um, is the space actually for this innovation community that I that I was referring uh, earlier? This is the space. This is the this is the playground, you know. And 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 people go there, and and they can see uh, who else is working, uh, who other innovation champions are there. Uh, you have all of the social aspect of of the of the platform. Um, and you can also, from there, what we did that I think it was very, very nice is that uh, from there you can do everything. So from there you can apply for funding, you can uh, run an innovation challenge for 
idea generation, you can evaluate ideas, uh, you, I mean, everything, everything could happen there. So, so people know that, uh, that this is the, 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 the one-stop shop, no? This is the entry point, basically, and, and it's, uh, it's actually working very well. We have around uh, 5,000 users now in that, in that platform. Uh, so so that's, that's another big success. And also, um, we have some very good uh, promising uh, innovations around uh, funding and around uh, innovative uh, finance as well. No? In that area, um, we have been quite successful. Uh, but then, um, I think one of the biggest uh, success was not only to care about innovation, uh, fundraising innovation internally, but also how can we contribute externally? And, and we, we basically started uh, a network of uh, people in different uh, INGOs uh, driving uh, fundraising innovation, and now we have a very very nice uh, group of people and colleagues and, and friends as well that we uh, met, uh, we meet uh, uh, monthly and we run different kind of uh, initiatives. So, um, so yeah, so I, 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 can, I can tell you, I, I feel very proud of the work that we are doing, not only, as I said, not only internally, but also driving fundraising innovation in the sector as well. Wow, that's incredible. Well done to you. It seems seems like a lot of exciting things happening at UNICEF where you are. Um, and I can't wait to see from the sidelines where it all leads to as well. Um, but in general, what do you think it is that UNICEF does so well in their fundraising efforts? I don't think we do so well, yeah. And um, and I cannot pretend telling you that we we do so well. I think we do okay in maximizing our current business model. I think for that we we do a good job, and we we definitely are embracing being a data-driven organization. We definitely understand the, the business model. Uh, we do have uh, great expertise and a lot of uh, colleagues um, that probably are part of the best fundraisers in the world. So we have a very good, a very good team. Um, we do have a good, a very good brand that uh, for me is not a requirement, but it's helping, definitely. It's helping to uh, make it appealing to work for UNICEF, to partner with UNICEF, but to support UNICEF as well. Um, and I think that we also understood that um, diversification is key. And we uh, we are putting a lot of um, resources on diversifying our channel mix, our product mix, etc. No, and this is this is also another uh, key component. 
But to be honest, uh, Jake, I think that we can do much better, much better. And, uh, and um, we are, the, 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 I would say the, the other side of the, of the coin of what I just uh, told you is that we are, we are a big organization, we are a slow organization, uh, we are not an organization willing to take many risks. Um, we are an organization that is very um, tough and complicated to partner with. Uh, we are, because of the due diligence, because of so many rules, you know, we are a complex organization as well because we are, we are part of the, of the UN and we actually respond to that governance and that logic, you know, and that's also adding more complexity into our operation. So we are not really agile. And, and I think that there are so many opportunities that we miss because we are not agile enough. And, uh, and I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's okay. And, and I think we are, we are, we are happy with, with the results that we are that we are getting but i think that we all understand that we can do much better no and, and that's where actually uh innovation uh, has uh, uh, a role to play as well no and uh, how to actually develop new business models how to be more agile how to uh, embrace um, uh, some uh, successes, uh, particularly coming from the private sector, that we can translate into our uh, fundraising uh, uh, industry. You know? And there are, there are so many things that we can do uh, that we don't yet, yet, because we are changing. Yeah, and I think many larger NGOs can probably relate to what you're saying as well. Um, yeah, you see a lot of smaller organizations going in with that agile uh, mentality and it's been very beneficial. So very interesting what you say there. But what are some common mistakes that you're seeing other fundraising teams and nonprofits make with their fundraising efforts? The first probably a big mistake is uh, when you are not a data-driven team or a data-driven organization. And that's, for me, that's, at this point of time, that's unforgivable. Like, couldn't be that you are taking decisions that aren't um, properly informed, um, running a good uh, data analysis. You know? like for me, that's, that's one of the biggest uh, mistakes, no? The second one is not being user-centric. And this is probably one of the biggest um, challenges that we have as organizations. Because there is a very strong legacy on how we operate and how we understand the reality, you know? So it's very difficult to move from the perception that what do we need as an organization and then how can you help us, you know, moving into what our potential supporters need 
and how can we help them and by helping them how they perceive this value and they contribute back to the organization. This is, this is a fundamental blocker when it comes to uh, moving forward uh, and innovating uh, and, and understanding that we need, we must keep being relevant to the different audiences that we are reaching. No? Um, and this is translated in multiple uh, actions, no? from designing a fundraising campaign, to designing a fundraising product, to selecting a channel, to defining your donor's uh, journey, you know? It's like everything is like, no, no, so what do we need? Oh, we need an upgrade, so let's put an upgrade there. Oh, we need, we need, more, we need more flexible funding, so let's, everything is what we need, what we need, you know, and, and that's not working any longer. Uh, or it's working, but only for a small, and smaller group of uh, people, you know. The third mistake that I think what we, that we do is giving up too soon. And this is another big mistake because um, I had this uh, teacher at college that she was only insisting, saying, you need one woman and nine months to get the baby. It doesn't matter if you use nine women, one month each, you know, it won't work. So I feel that sometimes we try to get the baby in one month, you know, and we don't allow enough time to new things, to new products, to new campaigns, to evolve and reach a tipping point where you decide this has been successful. And I believe that this is, in many cases, due to not doing a proper exercise on agreeing what success looks like on what you will do. You cannot ask the same kind of performance and KPIs to everything you do. So depending on the maturity of the product, the channel, the audience, the relationship, there are so many variables they are playing. And if you don't agree upfront what success looked like for this new thing that you will do, you will probably kill this initiative because what you do um, probably unconsciously is you compare this with your best performing activity. So you never allow enough time to evolve and to really show the potential that this uh, initiative uh, has. And the last one is not asking for help. And this is classic. I, I don't know why we think that we are the best in every single skill, every single area, every single aspect of our business. And we are not, not at all, 
We have, in many cases, uh, another organizations, another experts, another companies, way beyond where we are, that they can show us the way. So asking for help is important. And in most of the cases, people are willing to help. So it's not even that we have been rejected so many times. It's that we just not ask for. So that was a fantastic answer. Um, there was a lot to take away from that. Your four points, especially on this side of the world, uh, fundraisers and nonprofits are probably starting to think about their upcoming tax appeal. But how can fundraisers be more strategic in the planning stages of an upcoming appeal? Yeah, so this is a very good question, Jake. And, and um, so I would say um, the starting point is that you must have shared goals. There is no way to be strategic if you don't share goals. You know, like everybody in a team should understand the importance of the goals that we all share, you know. Some of them will own these goals, but all of them should share the goals. The, and, and of course, these goals should be transparent and these goals should be visible to everybody, you know. The second thing is that we need to agree on priorities. Because if you, if you don't agree on priorities, then first, the, the, the first problem is that everybody thinks that their own priorities are more important than others' priorities. So if you don't go through this exercise of understanding why certain priorities are more important than others, it's very difficult later to be strategic and to focus on the key areas where you should be uh, uh, with that you should be prioritizing. The next one is about having shorter iterations. And this is somehow in the old way of um, understanding how strategic planning works, this is kind of going against a strategic planning uh, process. But for me, it is very important to embrace this concept. We used to work in a very different way in the past where we basically decide what to do. We all work hard to get everything ready to the moment that we launch to invest a lot of money, actually, to sink a lot of money in this process and resources. And then at the very end of this long process, we launch and we see what happens. And this is completely against improving performance. So being more strategic is also understanding that you need shorter iterations in your planning, but also in your implementation. That will relieve a bit of pressure on your strategic planning that will allow more room for trying new things as you go because the context is changing and you should be changing as well. 
but that will for sure incorporate the idea that you may probably fail but by failing you will learn and by learning you will improve and you start this cycle you know so instead of thinking strategic planning as something that you basically write in stone what you will do in the next four or five years for me it will be way better to have some strategic directions and these directions should play like an umbrella um, role in many many multiple things that you will do in shorter iterations that will for sure speed up your uh, learning but also your improving which at the end is what is important no if you think about sustainability and if you think about long term what you want is to make sure that you are incorporating your learnings coming from your failures and also your successes and you keep improving all of the time no that's that's kind of the key uh, I will say the key challenge that we that we all share as as, as fundraisers, but also as organizations. No, and it's all about being agile again. I think, um, yeah, you can really get a lot of insight and um, take a lot from that answer. So that's really good. And what would your advice be to fundraisers who are struggling to acquire new do donors for their cause? When it comes to um, acquire uh, new donors. In many cases, the problem that we find is that our value proposition is not really relevant to many of these potential donors that we are targeting. And for me, that's basically taking us back to this user-centric principle that the starting point should be let's learn from the needs and the pain points of this potential audience that we want to target and from there let's work on the value proposition and on the channel mix and on the product design but not the other way around because what we normally do is we focus on what we need as an organization, and then we go out with this message, and we see who is willing to donate. But that's, that's costly, of course, and that's not very effective. Because what you are trying to do is to reach as many people as possible, and then let's see how many of them become donors but it shouldn't be that way because that's very inefficient it should be let's start from which is the audience that we want to target because we understand that there is a potential from this audience to contribute to the organization what is important for them what is relevant for them and then how can we change our value proposition how can we use different channels how can we design different ways to engage with these people 
that will secure and maximize the highest conversion possible. You see that is completely different the way. So, so yeah, of course you will be struggling to acquire new donors. Of course, because you are basing your value proposition, your channels, your products, and your donor journey in what the organization needs, not in what they need or what is relevant to them. And that's the key. And, uh, and I think that there are many organizations that understood this, and they are actually changing slowly, but they are changing the way that they are developing uh, new, new products and, and, and new ways to engage with, uh, with uh, different audiences. No. Yeah, now I, I can get an insight into your, your entrepreneurial mindset in that answer. So thank you for sharing that really well put. And are there any important trends that you're seeing emerge within the fundraising space that fundraisers should look out for? Well, I think there are so many trends impacting uh, the fundraising space. Uh, but maybe I can focus on four of them. Uh, the first one is that um, world's problems are closer to donors. And uh, this is really changing the way we actually understand the, the world and the way that we do fundraising. Because in the past, uh, they used to be or they were like rich countries uh, with the capacity to help uh, poor countries, or there were people living in rich countries um, being uh, capable of uh, support and donate for poor people living in poor countries. You know, and, and normally the perception of the problems of the world were like they were like far away from uh, people who have the um, financial capacity to, to donate. And now this completely changed because people are actually understanding that problems are closer, closer to where they are. So they are saying, well, yes, I'm, I'm okay with helping people living in far away from where I am, but I may want to start with helping my neighbors, you know, and, and, and that's that's really changing the, the way that we approach uh, potential donors. And this is, of course, uh, even uh, more complicated when we think about uh, refugees, like moving from one uh, country to other, uh, when we think about um, problems like uh, cyberbullying or, or sexual abuse. I mean, there are so many, so many problems that now are really affecting most of the population. And, and then people, and this is taking me to the second big trend, people are not feeling, um, I would say, uh, happy enough, or they are not feeling good enough by only making a donation. They really want to be part of the solution, but not only as donors, you know, not only like financially, they really want to feel that they are doing something. So this is again changing the way that we approach them. And if we want to keep being uh, relevant to them, 
We need to also think about how can we support these people willing to contribute beyond making a donation? And how can we equip them with knowledge, with materials, with tools, with uh, connections, platforms that will allow them to actually generate that change that they want to see in their own uh, communities, in, their own, in the places where they live. And that's changing again this value proposition. And that's also changing the way that we engage with, with, this, uh, with these people. The third one, it is about a big um, increasement um, on transparency. And this is, of course, connected to some um, technological uh, tools, you know, like blockchain and other tools that are really making uh, now uh, affordable and making possible the way that we track transactions and the way that we track connections uh, uh, on the internet. No, but uh, but this is. This is actually raising the bar in terms of what do we have to do to make sure that people keep trusting in our organizations. Because part of this, uh, part of this issue about transparency, and it's another trend connected to this one, it is that in many industries, we are getting rid of middlemans or intermediaries. So we have to be careful because we have to make sure that we are adding value in this chain. And we need to make sure that we are, that is evident the value that we are adding and we are properly communicating it when we do fundraising. So that's the third one. And then the fourth one that for me is a very important one is that long-term commitments with an organization that was the way that we were actually um, perceiving uh, uh, donors in the past is now changing into short-term commitments with a cause. So the change and the trend is not only affecting the what we call the, the, the lifetime value of a potential donor, because probably uh, a donor in, the, in 20 years ago, uh, they will select, they will pick one organization and they will continue donating for many, many, many years. Uh, with new generations, and especially with uh, youth generations now, uh, they prefer short-term commitments, but also they prefer to uh, support a cause, regardless which is the organization. And this is also changing a lot and affecting a lot uh, our um, the, the, the fundraising space. Yeah, no, great answer. And you can hear the passion coming out for the work that you do and for what you believe as well. It's really great and refreshing to hear that. And as I've said, you're doing such great work in in the innovation space with UNICEF, which you've been part of for a number of years now. But is there anything that you're next working towards in your fundraising career? 
after 25 years of uh, being a fundraiser, I am now thinking more about my legacy. My legacy to my organization, but also my legacy to the sector. I also enjoy coaching young people, uh, people that are joining the sector, uh, because I think this is something very, very helpful that people like me who has more experience and more years working as a fundraiser um, that we can do for newcomers, no? And this is something that I really enjoy doing. So I also see like uh, myself uh, taking more on more on that kind of uh, role. Well, we are down to the final question one, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on Fulfill today. So what's your final piece of advice to inspire and fulfill fundraisers to make a positive impact and create change for a better world? I've learned that if we dream big, we can actually achieve big things. But we need to truly believe in ourselves and in our organizations. You can dedicate the same time, same amount of time, effort, and money in something big or something small. So it's up to you and it's up to us what we want to do. Another advice is that the sooner that you realize that you can't change problems alone, the better. So make sure that you embrace collaboration. At the end of last year, we ran Reimagining Fundraising, a joint open innovation challenge that we ran together with 14 uh, INGOs. And we did it to find solutions for fundraising, which is an area that we normally compete each other. And we invite everybody to participate and we have incredible results. I want to invite everyone to take a look at these results at www.reimagininfundraising.org because you won't believe how much we can achieve if we really collaborate and work together. Now we are actually working on the second edition. And we know that we can do more and we can do much better if we work together. So leave your egos aside and embrace collaboration and innovation. That will be my final, my final recommendation. Thank you very much for this opportunity, for sharing my ideas. And if anyone needs any kind of uh, advice or support, uh, please connect uh, with me on LinkedIn and I will be happy to have a conversation. Thank you.